Heavenly Father, we come before you on this Thursday night, and we ask that you would help us as we study your word, encourage us in it, and Lord, teach us more about Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. You may be seated, and take your Bibles, if you would, and let's go back to the book of Ephesians. Um, I know we started this on Sunday morning, and yet I I believe we're going to uh, take this study and move it to Thursday nights here and uh, try to go through the book of Ephesians. I I want to take the time and do not want to uh, uh, be uh, necessarily interrupted for the different holidays and things that are coming up in the next several weeks. And so, let's just uh, start in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. On Sunday morning, we got through verse 12, and, and we dealt with all of these promises, all of these things that God does for His church, for His children, uh, the uh, grace, the peace, the blessings, the spiritual blessings, uh, the ultimate goal of the believer, verse 12, that we should be to the praise of His glory. The fact that God wants to use us as individuals to bring glory to His name. Now, um, it's kind of hard to really bring forth how great a truth that is. And I just want to remind you, that was the devil's job before he became the devil, was to reflect the glory of Jesus. If you want to know why the devil works against the church, works against the believer today, is because we basically are now given his responsibilities. And again, if we just follow this on out, this is one of the reasons why the devil is so eager to be in church, to be involved in the worship of the Lord, because if he touches it, it's unacceptable to God. And so this is a battle that has been fought since Acts chapter 16, uh, when the demon-possessed woman followed Paul and Silas, through the streets of Philippi, she was saying the right things. But it was coming from the wrong source. And so what we are trying to do here is understand, number one, what God wants to do for His church. His work in His church is all of these things. Just uh, a quick review. Verse 3, blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Verse 4, Chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world. It is not an an unreal uh, conclusion to know that God is smart enough to know who would get saved and who wouldn't without diving into the trash bucket of Calvinism. Amen? And as God has chosen us, as God has given us that ability, God wants us to live on the level of His child. He has predestinated us to the adoption of Christ. He's made us accepted in the Beloved. Verse 6, He has redeemed us through His blood. He has given us the forgiveness of sins. Verse 8, spiritual wisdom and 
and prudence. Verse 10, He's gathered us together in one. Verse 11, an inheritance. Verse 12, that we should be to His glory. Now we start through the end of the chapter. And what we're going to see is Paul packs just as much emphasis in the second half of this chapter. But it's all about Jesus. That's why we sang the songs we did tonight. Oh, how I love Jesus, the lily of the valley, the fairest of 10,000. There is no comparison. How many of you know what it is to trust? Simply trust in Jesus. I'll I'll tell you, I would uh, have a hard time just standing up here even preaching tonight after making all those agreements and and going on the line for the purchase of another building here uh, if I couldn't trust in Jesus. Amen? And we need to understand that His name is above every name. Let's let's be careful. How we use and how we treat and how we reverence that name. Starting in verse 13, In whom, talking about Jesus, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Where did that come from? That is the context of the book of Ephesians. This book is written to a local assembly. And it says here, And gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now, honestly, there's just a part of me that wants to shift down into very low gear and just spend the whole night on the first verse of this passage. Uh, But I believe that we need to uh, get the full impact of what Paul is doing here. And uh, he he just, uh, sentence after sentence, I mean, Paul is the king uh, of the run-on sentence. 
And uh, I tried that on my English teacher when I was in high school. She didn't accept it. I said, I'm just imitating the Apostle Paul. Run on sentences. He said, that'll still get you an F on your test. Uh, and, but uh, Paul just puts this thing in here. And let's just start here and, and see if we can't get through the second half of this chapter. It says, in whom ye also trusted. Now, if you're here tonight, if you're saved, you're saved because you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, There is something separate. This is different than all other religions. Uh, I had the privilege Sunday night of sitting down with uh, Ken McAvoy's two sisters and, and talking with them after the service and, of course, uh, they're very strong in the Catholic faith and uh, did not let me get too far along in what I was... But they did uh, listen and I, I think was able to, to comfort them a little bit in, in his passing. Uh, but the point of the matter is we don't all... Not all religions have the same Jesus. You have to study his characteristics. You have to study the attributes that they describe Jesus with. And if you uh, will simply open up the pages of the Bible, and Jesus himself said there are many false Christs. There are many people who present a Jesus that is not the Jesus of the Bible. Uh, And you take the religion. The Catholic Church, the Jesus of the Catholic Church is a harsh, judgmental Jesus who needs his mother to pull on his heartstrings and soften him toward us. I want to challenge you, that's not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible loved us so much that he willingly went to the cross to pay the price for our sins. The Jesus of the Bible is God's love personified, is God's Presence in human flesh is the ultimate revelation of God's love. But I want you to get this second here, this second phrase here. It says, in whom you trusted after. Okay, so now we have a progression of events here. Something happened before you trusted in Christ that you heard the word of truth. You cannot get saved without someone, something intervening with God's words. Uh, Monday and Tuesday, Monday night and all day Tuesday was the Baptist Church Planners Meeting, Buckley Road Baptist Church. Uh, That happens every year about this time and uh, uh, we... Uh, were able to uh, go up there and Andrew was able to raise some support and some help and so that was uh, very good and he preached. He was the first preacher Tuesday morning and uh, I mean, wow, it was just uh, uh, it was just amazing. I, I wish I preached like that when I was his age uh, and uh, uh, just did a fantastic job and several pastors are are getting behind him there, and that that is a good thing. Uh, But uh, Brother James Alter from uh, Finley, not Finley, uh, yeah, Finley area 
uh, a little town in Ohio near the Indiana border. It's not actually Finley, but close to it. Uh, uh, preached and gave us an incredible history on the Bible. And I wish I was smart enough to give you everything that he talked about, but the simple truth was the, the, what he presented, uh, Thomas Armitage was the great Bible historian, a Baptist historian. I have his books. Uh, in fact, that was one of the first books we found at Union, was a first edition, 1888 version of Thomas Armitage's History of the Baptist. But Mr. Armitage had a real problem with the Word of God. He degradated the Word and the preacher that came after him moved his church to a point to where they no longer even believed the Bible. But it all started because Pastor Armitage took a step back. You see... If we're not careful, we'll tell people about everything except the words of Jesus. If we're going to witness to people, we've got to give them the word of truth. And it's not just what happened in your life yet. Personal testimonies are wonderful. But if we're going to deal with people, we've got to give them the Bible. That's why the Gospels printed in every track we pass out. And not just a few words. I've had people say, well, nobody's going to read all that. Well, we're, we're going to do our best to encourage them to. Amen? Uh, we, we want people to have something when we give it to them that if they'll read it, God's Word is in there. Because you cannot be saved unless you get the message from this book about what Jesus... Now, Paul just told them, all the things that Jesus is going to do. All the promises, the blessings, the forgiveness of sins, the, the forming of a church, the future inheritance of the believers, the ultimate purpose of the believers to bring glory to God. Uh, th- those are the words of truth. Once you've heard them, you can believe in the true Jesus. This is the gospel of your salvation. I don't know if you're listening to the news here of late. I, uh, because of the travel and things, I didn't keep up with it. But I, I, I just turned it in this morning as I was uh, moving the van. And it was like, we, we've reached 51%. People want to impeach the president. Don't believe everything you hear. And Hillary's going to run again. Don't believe everything you hear, all right? Uh, if it happens, it happens. But it's just the anticipation, the drooling in the announcer. I mean, he's, he's slobbering all over the mic. He's so happy. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to get this guy. Well, um, don't count your chickens before they hatch, especially with this president. Amen. Uh, and you pray for this thing because this, uh, this political season is unprecedented in American history. And... Yet, I want you to understand something. Good news. That's what the gospel is. If all this problem went away, how many of you thought it was all going to be over after 
Mr. Mueller's riveting testimony on Capitol Hill. Now, how many of you know, pick up the sarcasm in that? I mean, the guy couldn't even stay awake to read the script. Uh, it was it was terrible. We thought it was all going to go away. Well, it didn't. It's just back with the fervor. It's a different thing. I, I want you to understand there is no good news out there. Expect bad news. Expect the world to be the world, please. But there is some good news. Jesus died to save sinners of whom I am chief. That's what the Apostle Paul said. And if we'll just understand who we are and what we've done and the fact that Jesus wants to save us, that makes me worse more than all the psychological promises of a perverted and crazy world. And I don't have to pay 600 bucks an hour to get it. Amen? Uh, it's free. It's in God's Word here. After that, ye have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Now it gets better. In whom also after that ye believed. Okay, so first thing is I heard the word of truth, the gospel of my salvation. I trusted in that gospel. I I believed, I heard that word, and I believed. After I believed, it says, ye were sealed with that Holy Ghost of promise. Now, the idea of being sealed is simply protected from spoilage. Right? In fact, uh, as I was coming through... uh, Boy, it's been crazy. Uh, last Monday, uh, we went to Seattle to see Peter and came back, uh, got back Thursday morning as we were going through the airport late Wednesday night. They stopped my suitcase and opened it all up because I had a package of fresh smoked salmon in there. And apparently it was foil. And it was the right size and weight for all kinds. So uh, we just want to see the package. Okay, here it is. And uh, the guy uh, looked, okay, fine. I said, wow, okay. Now, the salmon was sealed. Didn't need refrigeration, didn't need, you know what? It, and it was really, really good. Uh, Pacific wild caught fresh smoked salmon, put it on a bagel. I had a bagel and lox Monday morning as we were getting out, ready to go to uh, Buckley Road. And you know what? It was protected from spoilage. It was fabulous. Whoa. Now, how many of you know what happens? My mom used to can vegetables. And I remember one time opened up a, 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 a quart jar of corn. And when she put the can opener on to peel off the lid, it just went, whoop, no noise. And all of a sudden, she started checking every jar. She just pushed it a little bit and found there were two of them. The one she had just tried to open and another one that weren't sealed. She said, take these up in the garden and pour them out. Don't touch anything. 
How many of you know what gets into unsealed vegetables? It's called botulism. Will kill you dead. One spoonful is all you need. And yet, you go there and they inject it in your face and it's supposed to take away wrinkles. You know why? Because it kills the skin. I mean, don't, don't do this. Uh, I, 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 that stuff makes me nervous. How many people believe in a salvation that isn't kept by God? You see, this is one of the reasons why We make a difference between religions. There are religions out there that talk about believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, but you can lose your salvation. Do you know the reason you keep your salvation is not because of what you do, it's because of what Jesus has done. Not because, just because He paid for it on the cross, He did pay for it. But He seals us. He puts us in. He, he locks down. He keeps us. You cannot lose your salvation. We are sealed with the, that Holy Spirit of promise. Now, verse 14. He's going to elaborate on this. Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. Now, what Paul has done in these two verses is he has eliminated an entire library of theological mishmash or incorrect understanding of the Scriptures. You see, you trusted after that you heard the word of truth. The only good news in all of history is that Jesus paid the price for our sins After we believed, we were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. The work of the Holy Spirit is not speaking in tongues. It's not performing miracles. It is keeping us safe. We cannot lose salvation. This is the earnest of our inheritance. Now, the earnest is the down payment. Normally, when you sign papers, uh, agree to the terms of a contract like we did, uh, they want a certain amount of money down. And uh, uh, we looked at Mr. Don, he looked at us, he said, closing is less than a month away, do we even need to do this? I said, no, let's just, we'll just give you the whole thing on the closing. And, and he said, fine. But normally they want a down payment. They want a proof that you're going to follow through. That's what the Holy Spirit is. You can't see the Holy Spirit. You can't touch Him. You you can't grab a hold of the Holy Spirit. How do we know that we have the Holy Spirit of God? Because Jesus said so. That's why. How do you get saved? By faith. How do you know you have the Holy Spirit? By faith. But also by experience. As you will learn to surrender your life to the Holy Spirit, you will get direction. No, uh, and, and there are times 
when it almost seems as if God is speaking to you in a voice. But be careful. There, the world is full of voices. What does it tell us the Holy Spirit will do? He'll bring to mind the things that Jesus taught us. That's how the Holy Spirit works. He helps us understand what's written down. See, I remember one time dealing with a very troubled young man. He said, well, the Holy Spirit told me to come to this church. Uh, I said, well, okay. And then he told me the Holy Spirit told him to do something else that was totally contrary to the Scripture. And I said, you know something here? I said, you're listening to voices. And those voices cannot be from God. Well, then why are they telling me to come to church? I said, uh, I can't answer that. But I can answer this. Your trust is more in the voices than they are in the Word of God. That's where your problem is. And he got up and got his girdle in a hitch and walked right on out and never came back. And you know what that's proof of? It's not the Holy Spirit of God working. You see, the devil loves to imitate truth. And Paul is helping us to understand that this is the earnest of our inheritance. What, we, what is going to happen is one day, we're going to, we get chapter 2, it's going to be talking about being seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Uh, here, Paul words it, that uh, we will, until the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of His glory. Now, if you want to know what eternity is going to be like, here's what it's going to be like. It's going to be the praise of His glory. Verse 12, that we should be to the praise of His glory. The Entire theme of the Bible. Read Revelation chapter 4. All things were created for His pleasure. God cannot want anything that is not good because He is God. And so we have this eternity in heaven with God when we receive our glorified bodies and it's going to be Unto the praise of His glory. We get to verse 15. He said, because of this, because of this path that we are on, because of this work, we've received the earnest of the inheritance and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We will receive the redemption of the purchase price. There will be glorification unto God. Paul says, because of this, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and love unto all saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now, Paul is really saying here, I heard of your faith. Now, how many years did Paul spend in Ephesus? He spent three full years in Ephesus. Remember, he stopped at the tail end of his second missionary journey, and then he goes back on his third, spends 
three years in Ephesus, longer there than at any other church. He visits other churches, then he goes back to Jerusalem, uh, taking the offering of the church at Corinth and Macedonia and all of that, and then he's arrested, and his fourth journey is actually to Rome, where he is imprisoned in the land of Israel, Caesarea Philippi, for two years, and then in Rome for two years before he's set free for a short time, and then he's brought back and executed, and we hear those uh, uh, his last letters. One of them is this book right here. And he said, here are the marks of true faith. He said, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. Now, how can we measure our faith in the Lord Jesus? Only one measurement. This right here. Do you have a church? See, I've met many people with faith over the years, but their faith isn't taking them in the biblical path. We need to teach simple salvation in Jesus Christ. That simple salvation ought to lead through the waters of a baptismal pool in an authoritative, Bible-believing, New Testament Baptist church. Uh, That faith ought to lead to service in the church. You see, if I'm going to obey Christ, I'm going to do the things the Bible says. And you know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to love other people who are doing things the Bible says. How many of us, I'll put my hand up, how many of us have problems loving the brethren? Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. These are the earmarks of true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I do what he says, and I love the brethren. Read John chapter 15. We just don't have time to elaborate. This is what I mean. We could, we could spend the whole night just on the love of the brethren. And as we look at these things, now Paul starts saying, now I'm praying for you Ephesians. This is what Jesus, you trusted in Jesus. You heard the word of truth. You believed on Him. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit. That is the earnest. That is the promise of what is going to happen in glory. Your faith in Jesus uh, has produced a love unto all the saints. Now, why does that word all have to be in there? Uh, Because that's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Amen? Then we get to... Verse 16, he says, Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Paul says, I'm praying for you. This isn't the end. Now I'm going to give you some things that I want you to understand, some things that I want to have happen in your life. You see, the source, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you. So, Paul is saying, listen, I'm praying that God the Father, He is the God of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, Jesus Christ is God. God the Father is God. God the Holy Spirit is God. These three are one. They're a trinity. They're inseparable. Yet they hold offices. 
And he said, the source of this is God the Father, the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. He says, I want to give, I, I am praying that God will give to you some things here. Number one, the spirit of wisdom. Now, you have to be careful here. How many of you remember Ahithophel? Ahithophel, actually. He was David's counselor. Oh, it said that anyone counseled with Ahithophel was like if they had spoken to the oracles of God. He had wisdom, but it's not the spirit of wisdom. Because the spirit of wisdom is the work of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? Wisdom is applying biblical knowledge. Read 1 Corinthians 13. What does knowledge do? All by itself, it puffeth up. If you've ever met anybody that's smart, anybody that can really uh, 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 hold on to all those facts and figures, and I mean, they just got like a machine, all those, uh, I'll tell you what, you're going to meet somebody that's just a little full of themselves. Uh, you can't help it. But the spirit of wisdom, you follow that through the Scriptures. And it is the ability to know how to serve Christ, no matter where you are. That's, that's all it is. The spirit of wisdom. And then he says, and revelation, and, and all of a sudden our CB, uh, uh, what is it, TBN people are going, yeah, see there, the spirit of revelation. You don't have any new revelation. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you read the rest of that verse? It says, May give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Now, we don't have time. Second Peter chapter 2. How are you saved? Through the knowledge of Him. All things are given unto you that pertain unto life and glory through the knowledge of uh, of him who hath called us. I'm misquoting it. I'm sorry. There we go. Let's let's just let me look it up here. I'll, I'll just read it carefully here. Uh, I have that passage memorized, but uh, sometimes the old mind just doesn't bring it out as clearly as you would like. And here we go. First, Second Peter, chapter one. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. That's where I messed up. Godliness and glory. A life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us. There's the glory to glory and virtue. You see, that wisdom and that revelation are knowing Jesus better. You know, there's no problem in this life you will face that you will not solve by getting to know more about Jesus. That, that's just simply what Paul's saying here. He's saying, I'm praying that God is going to give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. Now, here's what's going to happen when you get that spirit of wisdom. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. How many of you remember the first time you came to church, you're going, wow, this guy's crazy. Now you agree with me. 
you know what? You become crazy too. No. God's opened your eyes. You cannot see without light. This is the work of the Holy Spirit to enlighten, to uh, uh, illuminate, to give us light so that our eyes can see what was one of the criticisms Jesus had for the Laodicean church. He said, I want you to buy ISAB so that you can see your spiritual state as you ought to. That you are wretched and you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, you're naked. But you think you're incredible. Have you ever met somebody who just thought a little more highly of themselves than they ought to? Uh, Isn't that a terrible thing? I mean, it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. It's always frustrating. Oh, let me fix this. And set the building on fire. Yeah. Uh, let's not do that spiritually speaking. Amen? We need that spirit to open the eyes of our understanding because we have to know some things that ye may know what is the hope of His calling, the riches of His glory, of His inheritance in 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 the saints, the exceeding greatness of his power toward usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. All of these things. The spirit, I mean the hope of your calling. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the, well, the called according to his purpose. Do you know what his purpose is? He's predestinated us to the adoption of Jesus Christ. That we would be accepted in the beloved. That we would be like Jesus. I, I want to challenge you. When you get to heaven, it's going to be there. God's, you, if you're saved I, I, and, and you don't serve Christ the way you should here on earth, he's going to fix it before you get to heaven. Trust me. But you won't have anything to show for it. But if you want those crowns to cast at his feet, if you want to be a part, if you want to be prepared for what is going on in heaven, that is the hope of our calling. To understand that God is preparing us not for this life, but for that which is to come. How much longer are you going to be in heaven compared to the length of time you spend here on this earth? I mean, there's no comparison. You can't compare eternity to 100 years, 70 years. A lot of us aren't going to make it that far. But eternity is forever and ever and ever. The hope of His calling. The riches of the glory of His inheritance. It is His good pleasure to give us the kingdom, the greatness of his power, the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Now, verse 20 explains that. 
which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Because he lives, we shall live also. Read Hebrews 6. That is the anchor of the soul. That is steadfast and sure. Jesus has already entered into the veil. And where he is, he has promised to come and receive us unto ourselves. I mean, you know what? We, we take the richest and most unbelievable promises of this book. And sometimes we just lay them aside because we got a problem. We're facing some difficulty. Uh, there is something in serving Christ. We've got to, like a, a fellow believer, we've got to love another saint that we don't want to love. And, and, and we lay aside these great, exceeding, precious promises because we just don't want to be obedient to God. Does that make sense to anybody? Paul's praying. He's saying, listen. I am praying that you're going to get that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him because that's going to take care of this and you're going to understand the hope of our calling, the riches of His glory, the exceeding greatness of His power. How many of you remember the story of Stephen as he was being stoned? He looks up in the heaven. And he sees Jesus standing on the right hand of the Father. And he says so. And those scribes and those Pharisees literally start foaming at the mouth. I mean, they gnashed on him with their teeth. They drug him out of town. And they stoned him before they even had a chance to understand the words that he was speaking. Because if Stephen was right then they were all damned to an eternity without God. That they wouldn't accept. Why do you think people get so upset when you take out a Bible today? It's because they know if this book is right, then they are so wrong, they have no hope whatsoever. And they refuse to believe that. When all you have to do is trust in the word of truth. Then you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. I mean, if you know you're saved tonight by the blood of Jesus, just raise your hand for a moment. Nobody can take that away from you. No matter what they do. And if some disease should affect this mind, and then I can't even remember what I need to remember, what's it say? If we believe not... He abideth faithful. He cannot deny his own. That is the greatness of his power. He has set him above every, above all principality and power. I don't know about you, but I am so sick of hearing the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court. Hey, The Supreme Court is not the Supreme Court. We stand before the Supreme Judge, the Creator of this universe. Aren't you glad? Above all principality and power, 
I think of Nebuchadnezzar threatening the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that I'm going to put you in this fire and it will destroy you. Who's going to deliver you? And I said, we don't care. You do whatever you want. We're going to obey God. And who was on his knees before it was all over? It wasn't Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You got old Nebuchadnezzar saying, Oh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, will you come out of the fire? But don't bring that other guy. I don't want to talk to him. Might and dominion in every name that is named. Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. This is our Savior. This is whom we serve. This is the person we need to get to know better. When you know someone, you know about someone, if President Trump walked through those back doors, every one of us would recognize him. Because we know who he is. I mean, it just wouldn't be that hard. I mean, who else has hair like that? I mean, in this world. I mean, what's him? No, it's the president. But we don't know him. Somebody said, he cheats in golf. One of his friends said, if you know anything about him, you know that's one thing he doesn't do. You see, people say all kinds of things about Jesus. It's because they don't know Him. But what's our excuse? Paul says, I want that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him because He is set and here is the whole purpose. God has put all things under His feet and gave him to be the head of all things. And then comes that little phrase that everybody hates, to the church. It's easy to admit that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's over all to the church, which is his body. Jesus doesn't have 57 different varieties. That's uh, Heinz company, I think. Uh, Jesus doesn't have many different paths. He's got one church. And that church is identifiable by the characteristics and the truths that are in this book called the Bible. We can trace those things down through the ages. We cannot always prove a physical connection. But I want to ask you, If it looks like the same thing, it talks like the same thing, it does the same thing, might it not have a common source? In fact, we've got to hurry here. Here's what the the Bible skeptics do. They say, well, we have this translation in the old uh, Syrian language, in the Peshetta, and we have this old Latin Bible, and we have the, uh, the Byzantine manuscripts that make up 95%, and they all agree. So 
That's all one voice. And we have to give the same exact authority to all the other voices. Now, if you try that with your income taxes, you're going to go to jail. If you try that in a court of law, they're going to throw you out. You see, it says right here that he made him head over all things to the church, which is his body. I mean, couldn't we spend a week of Thursday nights just talking about the church, his body? Each assembly, each church is a fully functional body responsible directly to Jesus Christ with the duty and the privilege, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Is there a problem Jesus cannot solve? Is there a sorrow he cannot comfort you in? Is there a struggle he cannot give you the victory? That, that is the, the fullness of God is taking us in this wicked world and allowing us, in spite of every voice and every problem and every detractor and every servant of the devil, to just do what Jesus said. Let me ask you a question. How could you be any stronger than that? How could you seek to be any more unique in history than to just obey Jesus? It's all that... Remember that song? All I need. He is all I need. Christ is all I need. We're going to serve Him in His body which is His church. Now, Baptist church doesn't give you salvation. Only Jesus does that. But if you're going to live for Him, you're going to do it in His church. And if you're going to do it without His church, you're going to suffer spiritually. You're the one suffering. But you know what? Our church is also weakened because people will not just simply be obedient to the things of this book called the Bible and follow Christ. That was the whole problem out at Community Baptist Church over the years. They had a great attendance. No members. You need to pray. That as Andrew's out there preaching, that people will come. I mean, that's the problem. We, that's the need at Morris Park. That's the need at Union Baptist. By the way, that's the need at Open Door as well. Open Door Bible Baptist. We need people who will just serve God. Why? Because Christ is the head of all things to the church. The church is his body. The fullness. If you want to see Christ working in this world, It's through his church. You say, well, the church isn't doing the job. Well, what job are you talking about? If you're talking about straightening out all the politicians, that's not church's job. 
You're talking about straightening out society as a whole. That's not the church's job. The church's job is to be the body of Christ. And I'll tell you, this nation of ours was in a far better shape when we had many more bodies all over this country. One of the things that Brother Alter said in his sermon was in 1889, I believe it was, in New York State, there were 860 Baptist churches with over 114,000 members. And in a generation, less than a generation, by the time 1825, 1830 rolled around, a vast majority of those churches had been swallowed up in the modernistic movement. They were what we call convention churches. They had laid down their Bible, had taken up the social gospel, and were no longer candlestick churches. Because the leaders step back from this book. The word of truth. You know? I just ask you. God said he's going to preserve his word. He's going to keep his word from this generation forever. It says, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Where are you going to find it on earth? I'll challenge you, if you can't find it here, you're not going to find it in English language. I've had people say, well, there, there's, there's some passages you can't answer all the questions on. I say, well, yeah, that might be true. There, there's probably four or five questions that they have developed over the years that I'm not smart enough to answer. You know what the problem is? I'm just not smart enough to answer your questions. But I'm not starting with your questions. I'm starting with God's Word. And so, if God promised to preserve it, I'm going to stick with what I got because the best thing you have to offer has had over 25,000 changes. So I'm going to exchange five questions for 25,000 changes? Well, that's like spending your way out of debt. Don't try that at home. It doesn't work. By the way, last time I checked, I got so many things that I need to do that I don't have enough time to play games in answering your questions. And what I mean by that is dishonest questions. Any honest question, hey, we'll take time. The the sheets are in the visitor table. Write them out. Pass them in. If we get enough questions... We'll take a whole evening service on Sunday and answer, just answer questions. Read them out loud and answer. Now, we haven't had that happen in a while, so we haven't done it in a while. But the offer is still there. And uh, if you ask just one question, I only have one question, I write you out an answer or, or catch you after a service and give you the answer best I can. We're not afraid of answering your questions. But what we're talking about are the dishonest ones that are out there. Because there is no excuse for not believing in God's Word. All God's people said. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this night. We ask you as we go through this book of Ephesians that you would convict us. That you would encourage us. And Lord, that we would just be obedient hearers of your Word. Lord, that you would give us that spirit of wisdom and... 
and revelation in the knowledge of Him, Lord, that we could know and understand His great power, that He has worked the great power of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And Lord, the fact that this little church that we're serving in is the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. Lord, that doesn't make sense to me. But I'm sure glad it's true. That we have the ability to serve you in your body, which is this church. Lord, we ask for humility to see ourselves as we really are. And yet boldness to walk before the very throne of God Almighty and ask for grace so that we can serve you. In your name we pray. Before we finish that prayer, we'll have the piano play. If you need to slip out of your seat and spend a few minutes in prayer, the altar is open. Let's just be obedient to the Lord.